and welcome to episode number 191 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Stephen Andrews, Brad Allen. We're going to run down every single game this week, give you our thoughts and any bets that we already have in the account, any leans we have as well. If you want to follow Brad on the Twitter machine at Brad Allen NFL, you want to follow Stephen at Stephen Andrews one. You want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. If you're watching us over on the YouTube channel, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Everything we do is absolutely free. All right, guys, uh, Brad, I'm going to start with you. The Dolphins beat the Ravens 22 to 10. The Patriots beat the Browns 45 to 7. The Washington football team beats the Bucks 29 to 19 and then we get the uh and then we get the 49ers dismantling of the Rams 31 to 10 this past week. Which one of those outcomes was the most shocking to you? Uh the Browns for me. Um because the Browns are kind of they're they're the bully team, you know. They've got that they've got that big strong defensive line with Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney. They've got that big strong offensive line that just marches around mauling people. You know, one of the best in the league. And they they just got beaten up, like they just got demolished off the field. So I think I think you you do have to take that into account. Like you, when the Patriots did that to the Jets, you go, yeah, okay, it's the Jets, but. Now you look at the sorry you look at you look at the offensive line they've got in place now that, that's healthy. Um, obviously the, the quarterback seems to be coming along, um, and obviously the defense has got Bill Belichick in charge. So I think that's a that's a legitimate team, um, and I, that was a I think that was a proper statement. Stephen, what about you? Of those uh, of those outcomes, what was the most shocking from Week Ten? For me, it was the Buccaneers. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't think that they would lose, let alone lose that definitively the if you look at the lines.com right now our senior writer mo nawara put together a current power ratings look based on the closing lines of all these games we've had so far this year and that was the biggest difference in all these losses right i mean the 49ers are kind of middle of the pack right now in terms of what the market thinks of them same with the new england patriots but the Washington football team, they have rated as a minus five right now, and the Buccaneers is a plus five. So on, on a neutral field, that's a 10-point difference between those teams. And, and Washington came out and just did what they wanted against New England or against Tampa Bay. So that, to me, was the most shocking. I think that with the Tampa Bay team, we need to be uh, cautious when they don't have all of their weapons back at this point. Yeah, and then funny enough for me, I, I think it was the 49ers and Rams on my end. Uh, uh, the, that 49ers team, not able at all, it, really from the defensive side. Listen, if you want to th- tell me that the loss of Robert Woods was more than maybe we even stated, was more than we even were, you know, of course, this is after we had recorded our, our stuff last week, so that didn't really factor into our handicap of the game. But you look at that, and it, maybe I didn't take it into account as much as I should, how much of a role he plays in that offense or whatever, but more the defensive side of the ball, not being able to make any sort of adjustments whatsoever, not being able to do anything to get that San Francisco offense off of the field, allowing them to run the ball 44 times in that game, absolutely just destroy the time of possession, keep the ball, uh, a hog every single drive, it seemed like was just crazy to me. And so, um, you know, that outcome as well. And uh, Brad, I'll ask you this and then we'll move on here to week 11. Who's good? Who's good in the NFL right now? Like, who's, who's, who's good? 
I think the Cowboys are good. I, th- I think the Cowboys yeah. are good. Um, just, uh, just quickly on, so all those three games we mentioned, though, one thing that all the winners had in common was they way overperformed on third and fourth down. Like that, that That's the reason the 49ers were, they ran the ball 44 times. It was only 145 yards or so. But like Jimmy G converted, I think that the first six third downs or so. So, and it was the same with the, the Patriots. They converted the first, I think they were six for six at one point. Um and, and again, literally the same with the f- football team. So that's that's variance as well. So again, this is why we're trying not to overreact each week because, you know, Taylor Heineke's not going 10 for 16 on third down this week. So uh, yeah, don't, we don't overreact. On to week 11 here. Let's start out. Um, Thursday night will already be done by the most by the time most of you listen are here to this. So we'll just move on to the first game on Sunday, which is the Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans right now. Tennessee Titans are 10 to 10 and a half point home favorites in this one. A 44, 44 and a half type situation on the total. Guys, I've not pulled the trigger yet. I will fully admit, but I am very close to wanting to play the Houston Texans at 10 and a half in this game. And listen, I have an under ticket on the Houston Texans for season total perspective. I thought this was going to be, and it still very well might be one of the worst teams we have seen in a hot minute here, but this Tennessee Titans team since Derrick Henry has gone down and, and now Julio Jones going on IR. I mean, this, this offense has been absolutely putrid and yes, they have, they have been in, they they've gotten by and hats off to that. There has to be some credit to be given for teams that get by in these type of situations, but it is, uh, I just don't know how long that that can continue to last here. Steven, what say you? I'm with you. And Matt, I'm glad to hear you say that because I know that over the rest of the season, you are fairly high on the Titans as if they get healthy, right? This is this underscores the difference between a Super Bowl futures conversation and a week to week. Are they going to cover the spread conversation? Because I think 10 and a half is too much at this point. Uh, our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich, in his best bets column for week 11 has Houston as well. He notes that Terod Taylor in his three games would rank 14th in highest completion percentage over expected tied with Ryan Tannehill. So interesting note there for this one. The Texans coming off a bye that never hurts. For me, it, it is about this Titans offense since they lost Derrick Henry. It's been bad. It's been a small sample, but below average in EPA and success rate, less than four yards per play against the Rams, less than five yards per play against the Saints. And these key injuries are piling up. It's not just Derrick Henry's Julio Jones on IR. Now Bud Dupree is injured. He has an issue this week. They're scattered. Taylor went down during the course of the game as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and people might not put much into this, but Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols, their running back has a concussion. He might be their second best pass catcher at this point behind AJ Brown. So um, I, I just think it's, it's interesting. One of their longtime beat writers, Paul Kaharski reported this week that the Titans have had 82 players play in a game this season. That's too shy of the most since 1993. It's only week 11, guys, and they're too shy of breaking that record. So that just shows you how many injuries they've had. They've had remarkable results to get to the record that they've had, but that's a different conversation than can they cover 10 and a half points. That's a lot in the NFL, and I'm, I'm going to take the dog here. 
Brad, I, I, listen, if this was still Davis Mills, no chance that I'm, I would even consider something like this. Again, this hasn't been in this not in my account yet. I'm just I'm teetering on the line right here, especially since they're giving me the hook on on, on the 10. Uh, what do you think here about the Texans on the road at the Titans? I think it's a tricky one. So I would say there's a big mismatch in the Titans' defensive line. So fourth in the NFL in sacks. You know, I spoke about them last week, how just they've been wrecking the league for the last month or so. Going up against the, you know, genuine bottom feeder offensive line in the Texans. So that's a mismatch. But obviously the spot, now I know Matt, <laughs> you're not a huge spot guy, but obviously the Titans after five huge games in a row, won all of them, you know, mm. AFC contenders in there, Chiefs, Bills, Rams, Saints last week, good teams. And now now, now it's got to be some sort of ex- exhalation at some point. And you've got the Houston Texans coming in who you smash every single time you play them. This is this is a spot where they might not play well. And, and um, you know, as Stephen said, like, they, they've been a bottom quartile team the last two weeks in terms of in terms of yards per play and success rate. Um, so I don't, to me, the number... The num- to me, it feels like the, the spot is built into the number. It's, it's not a huge number for a Super Bowl contender at home to like the worst team in the league. Is it ten and a half points? You know, we, we've seen we've seen eighteen on the road. We've seen nineteen and yeah. a half on the road. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't really know what to do with that. I, I think it's probably a fairish line. Baltimore Ravens at the Chicago Bears. The Ravens are sitting anywhere in this market. The market is very interesting in this one. There are four and a halfs. There are fives. There are five and a halfs. There is now one six that has popped on the Ravens. So if you are, depending on which side you won't shop around, the lines do vary out there. 45 and a half to 46 is your total here, Brad. I'll start with you. The Ravens lay a complete egg on Thursday Night Football last week against the Miami Dolphins. It. I do not know if the Dolphins opened up a blueprint as to at least maybe how to attack this Ravens offense, they were blitzing every single down. They were putting pressure on Lamar Jackson every single down, and he was not able. Now, whether that is whether that is was poor design on the offensive side of the ball and they weren't giving him a chance to do that, whether that was Lamar Jackson not being able to uh, pick up where the blitzes were coming from, who he, where, they, where he should be going with the ball, but they were unable to do anything on the offensive side of the ball against the way that the Miami Dolphins played defense against them. Do you think that in a long week, you know, the mini buy after they play on Thursday, that that is something they could correct? Or do you think that maybe that was at least a miniature blueprint on maybe how to attack this Ravens team going forward? Um, so they showed, I think they showed cover zero on 40 snaps in that game, which is which is unheard of. And obviously they didn't react. They were still running kind of bubble screens. Like that was their only mm-hmm. reaction to it. There was, there was no adjustment in the game. So you would think they, they've come up with something, you know, during the bye. And then at the same time, the Bears are 31st in blitz rate. So I'm, I'm not sure they're suddenly going to like flip entirely and then start throwing cover zero blitzes at them. Um, again, this, I, I think the other side of the ball is potentially interesting. If you look at Justin Fields' uh, PFF grades, he seems to be getting week by week. Um, obviously, that game against Pittsburgh, he had an overmatched offensive line. He was down early and he put up, he put up a 90 grade um, by far his best of the year. And so it does look like he's on a steady upward trend, but he, he's also struggled with with a blitz himself this year. Um, and we mm. do know that the Ravens are going to throw a load of blitzes at him. So... Yeah, there's arguments to be made both sides for me. And I thought, obviously, if you can get the six, I would lean the Bears' way. Um, That's probably the only way I would play it, personally. 
Yeah, so right now, rest of country, there's a six at BetMGM, Stephen. I have not seen one here in Vegas, so I had not played this game. If this is if this is an indication of where this line is headed, I do have a pretty good lean to the Bears on six. If that's the case, if we're uh, if we're going to be looking at a six here, I think Justin Fields is starting to come around. I think this is one of those things where people were. People were crucifying Matt Nagy early on in the season. And I honestly think, and I don't think he's a sharp coach by any stretch of the imagination, but I think how he handled fields, it was probably the best way to go about it, right? Like, yes, let him watch for a few games and then get him in there and then let him play in the, in the NFL, you know? And so I, um, I started, I, I kind of think he's taken some steps forward here. And I think that they're coming out of a bye for them as well. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe him and Allen Robinson got introduced and maybe they were able to go to dinner and they shook hands and they were like, oh, hi, by the way, I'm your number one wide receiver. And like he maybe gets involved with this offense a little bit as well. So um, I don't know. I kind of like if that six is starting to starting to pop places, I kind of like the six. The one thing I'm confident in in this game is that this Bears defense is probably overmatched against the Ravens offense. I know what Miami did there in that primetime game, but they also are pretty darn creative on defense. They have a history of that with Flores. So, I mean, this this Chicago defense has been below average to poor all season. Whether you're looking at DVOA or PFF grades, they're 29th in pressure rate. Uh, they don't blitz. So Lamar Jackson should have a lot of time back there. And they don't do a decent job of, of stopping the run either, the 26th and run stop win rate. And I still think, despite laying an egg, that this Ravens offense is one of the five or six best in the league. Um, I think that they've done a really good job of adding more of a passing element to this offense than we've seen in years past. On the flip side, I do tend to agree with you guys that Justin Fields may be emerging here. His mobility kind of adds a different element to this offense that allows them to be a little bit more successful than they have been in the past. So with that being said, I'm a little surprised to see an over under here around 45, 46, given the liabilities that I think both defenses potentially have in this game. I haven't bet it yet, but if I was going to bet this game, I think that might be the look where I might take a shot here. Yeah. I, so one of the things I, I do, I, listen, I was uh, I was coming around on the Ravens offense for sure, but that was because I was coming around on them as Lamar is a passer and, and listen, out of a clean pocket, Lamar has been, has been great this year. The problem becomes is when he has started to, if you can get pressure on him. And I think that's what the dolphins decided. Look, hats off to them. If you want to give them credit last week where they're like, Hey, look, we suck anyway. So we're just going to go, we're just going to go nuts. And then who cares? Yeah. It's like, who cares? Right. I mean, like, look, like we're going to try this out and see if it works. And, and it did. Right. And, but I, I don't think, that this is necessarily a a complete and utter blueprint on how to play Lamar move, moving forward, but I do think you are going to see him start to see an exponentially higher amount of blitzes. Nothing like we saw from Miami on Thursday night, but I do think you are going to see this team start to see an exponential higher amount of those blitzes, and will he be able to handle them? And and I guess that's what we'll find out. And, and Brad, you bring up a good point that this isn't really how Chicago chooses to play defense, and so we're going to see if they think that this is the right, right way to play 
against this team as well. Because if we see a team that is, again, second to last as far as blitz rate in the NFL come out and start going at Lamar left and right in this thing, then we're going to figure, we're going to see that these defensive coordinators think that that's the way to go about playing this Ravens team. So uh, I'm interested to watch this one. If a six pops here in Vegas, I think I would play at least a small play on the Bears side of things. Dolphins at the Jets, the game that we have cannot wait to talk about. I mean, seriously, this is just the uh, the greatest game of the week. The Dolphins are three, three and a half point road favorites in this one. Uh, forty four and a half to forty five is your total. Steven, I know that you are looking to play this game. Yeah, I bet it. Like Joe Flacco, guys, like Joe Flacco right, is right. starting in this game. I know. Like, what are the New York Jets doing here? So if you're going to give me three on Miami, even though it's juice, and that's what I bet it. I bet Miami mm-hmm. minus three at our show sponsor, bet MGM minus 115 the price on Wednesday night. Like the, the Dolphins are coming off a mini buy, so it's a it's a decent spot there. Our senior writer, Mo Nawara, notes that Joe Flacco has had a 7.6 sack rate since leaving Baltimore, which is just horrendous. And as we mentioned in the previous game, Miami is, is second in the NFL in blitz rate. The Jets offensive line 25th in adjusted sack rate. Miami's defense, small sample since week eight, but third in EPA per play allowed. But they did face Buffalo and Baltimore in that span. Mo did, we mentioned this earlier, Mo did a a look, kind of an all-encompassing look at the market at the halfway point of the season to see where teams have moved up and moved down in power ratings. And it's the Jets that they have as dead last at this point. And that's with a couple games baked in with good quarterback play from Mike White and Josh Johnson. That number that they have is not with Joe Flacco factored in. Mm -hmm. And without Joe Flacco, they have the Dolphins as four points better. So in my mind, it has to be significantly worse with Joe Flacco at quarterback in this game, having only had a couple of weeks with a new coaching staff. I know he's coming back to his old team, but it's a new coaching staff, so it's another offense he's going to have to learn quickly. He looked horrendous in the preseason with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think Miami minus three might be my favorite bet this week, quite honestly. Yeah, it's a bet that actually is in my account as well. We share this one, not one that I was loving. I was certainly not uh, jumping up and down to run to the window to make it. But look, Flacco has been an abject failure for the, you know, I mean, 2019. Do you remember that 2019 season in Denver when he had to make those starts? And yeah, and and then in 2020 for the Jets, like he he has been absolutely putrid at quarterback. And this just feels like a, a move from a New York Jets team that is trying to protect their young quarterback here because you've got a a guy in um in Mike White that had at least a couple of decent starts then he had his complete clunker and now Steven they can say all right Mike White you had a clunker that's the last thing that people that's the last thing the fans remember on their brains and so yeah, you know they'll just be praying for Zach Wilson whenever he comes back and and actually starts to play for this team so um I am a hundred percent here uh, with you on the Dolphins, despite the fact that I am uh, I, I'm not really big on on the Dolphins, really, in general. Brad, what do you uh, what do you think here about the the Dolphins on the road at the Jets? Um, so I agree with Stephen. Like those, those Miami Dolphins defensive numbers, um, the corners weren't healthy earlier in the year, and you know they want to play this cover zero blitz. They want to send extra men and cover one on one. So. 
they can do that now, I think. And, you know, remember last year with very similar personnel, similar head coach, similar scheme, they were one of the best defenses in the NFL. So you would think that they have the they have the men to cover the Jets here. Um, it's, it obviously, it is tough to know what we get from Flacco. It's, it's a different system. So he, he was he was one of probably their best quarterback last year. Um, but I think it's quite tricky to assume he's just going to come in, learn a new system another year on. Um, and be effective again. So yeah, I could only lean Miami minus three and a half, but enough uncertainty that I didn't jump in yet. That said, if you do want the three in this game, jump on it if you find it, because it has moved to three and a half at the majority of places. So it, it is definitely going to put the, definitely going to get the hook before things are all said and done on that one. So if you still have a three available, you're going to want to take that. New Orleans Saints on the road at the Philadelphia Eagles. The Saints find themselves as now two-point road underdogs to the Philadelphia Eagles, a total of 43-43 and a half in this one. Brad, we have this Eagles team that the, air quotes, sharps have been betting every single week for the last month, and they continue to take money in this one. There was a book that opened the Saints as a favorite in this one, and that instantly flipped. We've seen them continue to take money. This was at one, one and a half. Now it's at two in favor of the Eagles. Um, We had talked about this on the pod, that the advanced metrics weren't really matching up with what we were getting from them on the field. We saw that the numbers said that we should be seeing a different team than we were actually seeing. And, you know, listen, over the past three weeks, this team has become like an old school, big 12 uh, power running team. Like it's running the ball at a 68% clip in situation neutral in today's 2021 in the year of our Lord NFL. I, 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 I 68% in situation neutral is unheard of in today's NFL, but that's what they've been doing. And they've, for whatever reason, it has been working. Do you think that continues to work against a, Hey, look, we cannot be in love with the saints offense. We cannot be in love with a lot of things about the saints, but the one thing that you can like is the saints rush defense. Yeah, exactly. So those three opponents that they were doing that against averaged 25th in rush defense DVOA. Um, You know, the the Broncos came into last week missing both inside linebackers, both outside linebackers. Um, And, you know, the Eagles ran all over them. Obviously, they ran all over the Lions, who've got zero defensive talent, Chargers, worst rush defense in the NFL. Um, Now it's the Saints, as you say, the very best rush defense in the NFL by pretty much whatever measure you want to use. So that means we're back to the game falling on Jalen Hurts and probably the passing game. And, you know, we, we saw through the first seven weeks of the season, that's not that's not really working for them. Um, you know, they can probably stick Lattimore on uh, Devontae Smith. Goddard possibly ruled out. I, I, I think I think he's on injury. He's on the, he was he was out of the game last week anyway. We'll see see what happens to him, whether he plays. But they don't have many weapons after that. And he you don't want Hurts being a pure passer because he, he's not very good at it. Um now the, the the market is interesting, isn't it? Because both these teams have been bet quite regularly. Both both they've both been steamed um quite a lot. I I like the Saints side here. I, I don't think they should be underdogs. Like if you can get what well, plus one fifteen, plus one twenty, I think that's worth a bet. A because of that matchup, and B because like Simeon's been pretty good. Uh, he's he's eighth. He was the eighth graded quarterback in the NFL last week. Um, they should they should have beaten the Titans. They hit six point one yards per play to four point six for Tennessee. Um, you know there was the weird stuff with the ref. There was there was fumbles on a kick return they're, they were the better team they've been good on the road all year long um, and this line says that they're not the better team here and I just disagree basically 
So as far as Goddard, I had to leave that game in the concussion protocol. Did not practice on Wednesday. Steven, typically when we see these guys that are going to make it out of protocol, they're allowed to practice on Wednesdays or at least be out there in limited fashion. Uh, Goddard not uh, practicing on Wednesday. Now, that's not to say he he, he isn't going to play, but that is at least a tiny bit of a tell here where when, we, when we've seen these guys make it back in a week off of the concussion protocol, they're at least doing something on the Wednesday practice. So maybe that's a bit of a tell that, that Goddard isn't going to be available for the Eagles this week. Definitely. I think Brad summed up the Eagles situation pretty well in this game and full transparency. I was dead wrong about Philly last week. I mean, I, I sat here and, and preached about how I thought their advanced metrics were inflated by garbage time. And I still think that was the case, but I just think I chose the wrong opponent to fade them against with a Denver defense that um, was a shell of itself from its early weeks of the season when they were fully healthy. I mean, they're 25th in weighted DVOA overall. So so like Brad mentioned, this is a totally different opponent, a very stout defense that matches up well with what the Eagles want to do well. So I'm going to be very curious here if the Eagles come out and try to do the same thing they've done for the past couple of weeks or if they go back to what they were in the first month of the season where they were extremely run heavy. I can't emphasize enough how how extreme the flip has been from the Eagles the first month of the season to the last couple of weeks in terms of passing over expectation and now passing under expectation. So it's interesting to see what they do in this specific matchup. With that being said, the look ahead line here was Saints minus one. It's flipped, I think, three points at this point to make the Eagles a two point favorite. So now we're getting into potential teaser leg territory. If you believe it's a bad matchup for the Philadelphia Eagles and you can get the Saints through the three and through the seven as a teaser leg, it's always scary to go against the market, especially one of their favorite teams this year. They keep steaming this team every single week with the Eagles. But um, I think I was just maybe a week early in fading them. Yeah, so I uh, I did play the Saints in a teaser, actually, and, and do have them in a teaser leg. And I'm feeling pretty OK with that because I'm I'm just reading the tea leaves here. And again, I I, I don't know if you guys know it. I've never been to one minute, one minute of medical school. I have no idea. But um, <laughs> but I do think that uh, Goddard with that concussion, not being able to practice on Wednesday, we've seen that kind of time and time again where he uh, where when that happens that these guys are not able to to make it back out there so I'm kind of reading the tea leaves of that and then Alvin Kamara this other thing about this past week with the Saints who were right there to beat the Titans they did that without Alvin Kamara being out on the field Alvin Kamara missed back two at, extra points yeah two, Alvin, two missed extra points or they're in overtime yeah Alvin Kamara back on the practice field on Wednesday as well so it looks like he's trending towards playing uh, this week. And so if you're going to give me, like you said, Stephen, through the field goal, through the touchdown against an Eagles team that is going to be forced to do what I think that they're pretty bad at, which is passing right now. Like, look, they're, they're, they were running and it was very impressive. And don't get me wrong. I think that was great. But they were hiding Jalen Hurts that whole time because they are not confident in his passing skills and what he's able to do on a week to week basis. And so for me, uh, love, love, love the Saints in a teaser teaser leg here. And uh as Brad said, maybe even a little, uh, maybe even a little sprinkle there on them on the money line. Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have moved out to a seven, seven and a half point favorite in this one. Uh, 50, 50 and a half 
is our total. Steven, we are getting the Bills off of a bounce back game for them in which they were went out and beat up on a bad team, which is what this Bills team has done all season long. And so if you want to, there are, you know, if you want to play the devil's advocate on this Bills team, which I know if you go and check out our power ratings, you're going to find that our power ratings have the the Bills, you know, way, way up there. If you wanted to play the, you know, the the other side of this, you would say the Bills wins have come against the Dolphins, the Washington football team, the Texans, the Dolphins, and the Jets. Yes, you can throw the one win against the Chiefs in there, but, uh, you know, losses against the Steelers, against the Titans, against the Jaguars. So do we really even know who this Bills team is and do we really even know what the identity of this Bills team is? I think it's a team that has a pretty good defense that I don't think you know week to week what you're going to get on offense. What say you? Yeah, so this these two teams met in the postseason last year in Buffalo, and the Bills were a six-and-a-half-point home favorite. So now at, in this game, we're looking at seven, seven-and-a-half. When this game got to seven-and-a-half, I did bet on the Colts to cover that. And Matt, I just have a s- simple question for you. Are the Bills better or worse now than they were entering the playoffs last season? Not relative to the rest of the league, just compared to themselves – are the Buffalo Bills better or worse now than they were at that point last season? Yeah, I mean, I guess the I guess the defense is probably better, but I think that the offense is 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 probably worse. Yeah, I I hear Brad too in the background. He says they're worse. So now we're getting through a touchdown here to cover the one possession, and I like that bet. So I made it. I think Indy is also better than they were at this point last season. So they had Phillip Rivers and his shell of an arm at the end of his career, not being able to throw it deep. Uh, So despite starting 0-3, the Colts this season have come pretty damn close to winning every single game since. The only two games that they didn't win was a meltdown against Baltimore where they looked really impressive for most of that game. And also, they had every opportunity to put Tennessee away if not for a couple of bonehead Carson Wentz mistakes, which obviously you always have to factor in in a handicap with the Colts at this point. But overall, they have been second in EPA per play, even better than Buffalo since week four after that slow start. They have the number one rush EPA per play since week four facing the number one rush defense EPA. So it's a really interesting matchup this week. But the Bills D has built that statistic with five games against Washington, Miami twice, the Jets and Jacksonville. So I just I expect a similar game plan from Frank Reich to what we actually saw Kyle Shanahan do on Sunday night football against L.A. I think they're going to try and run it 40 times and try and shorten this game. They ran it 30 times against Buffalo in the postseason last year for more than five yards per clip. Frank Reich upset peak Patrick Mahomes in 2019 doing the same game plan with friggin Jacoby Brissett and Marlon Mack. He ran it 45 times, got a 15 minute edge in time of possession this year. Reich ran it 33 times in the rain against San Francisco. So I'd be shocked if they don't come out and just try and just run it as much as possible to shorten this game. Rain is in the forecast in Buffalo. So I think they keep it within a possession here. I'm not saying they're going to win the game against Buffalo, but I think seven and a half is too much. Brad, I think that you are of like mind in in this one. I mean, if there is anything that you would point at that would be, you know, a a a little bit of a weakness 
on this Bills defense. It would certainly be that you would want to attack them via the rush as opposed to the pass. But, um, you know, and that's where Indianapolis, of course, with Jonathan Taylor would love, love, love to take advantage of that situation, having, uh, you know, having him having the season that he's having right now. You know, unless he gets completely shut down this week, he will eclipse a thousand yards on the season rushing. And, um, you know, again, he's over 300 yards receiving as well. So the guy's a do it all guy. And, you know, maybe maybe a guy like that is something that can take what I think are probably a little bit inflated Buffalo defensive numbers and put them a little bit into it into perspective. Because, again, I'll read down this list of teams that they've beaten this year. And this is not you can only play the teams that are in front of you. I, I get it. But they've beaten the Dolphins, the Washington football team, the Texans, the Dolphins, the Jets. And then you throw the one Chiefs game in there losses to the Steelers losses to the Titans lost to the to the Jags so I mean I don't know if we know for sure that this Bills team is is good um no I, I think they're probably the most overrated team in the league um and I think it's a bad matchup yeah. so it, it, it's quite interesting what's going on in the league at the minute where you've got these teams like the Chiefs and the Bills who are built to stop the pass and they're built to pass. Um, and, you know, like that's the entire the entire team is built that way. Like the defences are light and rush the passer. Um, the offences have got sort of lighter offensive linemen to, you know, pass block rather than run block and they a load of receivers. And now you've, you've kind of got a, a little wave coming back the other way, like the Patriots, the Browns, the Colts, who have just gone super heavy, like, or maybe even the Niners. And and they're just running. They'll they will run the ball down their throat thirty times here. Like yeah, as you say that that Bills defense they faced one good rush offense, which was the Titans, and the Titans put up thirty four on them. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying they're going to do that here, the Colts, but mm. like, with a, with a health, healthy offensive line with two very good backs, I think they should have good success on the ground. Um, and then again, so obviously, I mean, I spouted off about about the Bills last week, said they were overrated. I, I, I like the Jets. And um, obviously they they scored 40 on the Jets. But, you know, I think Salah deserves a bit of criticism like Rex Ryan was giving him because the the Bills came into that game, I think Josh Allen had faced the second most cover two in the league, the third most light boxes. You know, it was play them like like you play Mahomes, like don't get beat deep, make them run the ball because they're not very good at it. Mm -hmm. And the Jets played two two snaps of cover two all game and they they got torched. Like they were up, you know, two minutes, two minutes to go before the end of the half. And they just let Stefan Diggs get open downfield for 50 yards. So, right, the Colts, their sort of shell is cover two, and they've got the horses up front in DeForest Buckner, I think, to to get pressure with four, to stop the run with, you know, a light box and and make Josh Allen throw the ball 12 times down the field to, to score a touchdown. Um, and, you know, as, as we said, dis- despite facing the easiest schedule, they're 14th in DVOA, their average offense. Um, so I think seven points is way too many. And the last point here, so Football Outsiders obviously loves the Bills, uh, best team in the league by DVOA. Doesn't really like the Colts, 16th best offense by DVOA. Um, and they still make this line five. So they, they even thinking the, the Bills are the best team in the league, which I disagree with, they can only get to five. So I, I don't know how seven could be correct. Yeah, I, 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 my only worry here in this one, and I have a pretty strong lean to the Colts as well. My only worry in this one would be that if they figure out some way to limit the production, uh, the run production, 
And then this gets put on Carson Wentz's arm yeah. that we're going to be in for a bad, <laughs> bad deal here because it's like, I mean, that this four straight weeks of sub 60 grade passing for Carson Wentz, like, I mean, there's a really good chance he's just not any. I, I am of the mindset he's just not any good. I've been, you yeah. guys know, we've done 10 weeks of these pods now. I do not think Carson Wentz is any good. This The stats kind of start to back that up. The grades start to kind of back that up with everything. And my my only worry in this is okay the bills figure out some sort of way to neutralize what Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines and all this is able to do and then it falls on Carson Wentz and his arm and then the next thing you know we look up and this bills team's up by 27 in this game you know like that's the only thing that worries me and so i don't know again hasn't gotten in my account yet even with a healthy lean towards the Colts, but that is, that is the holdup for me. And Brad, what do you, as we get out of here, like what, what do you get? Like how, how much of a chance do you give that happening in this game that, that Buffalo is able to kind of neutralize that. And then now you're relying on Carson Wentz. Um, oh yeah. I mean, it's a fair point. I think he's like, he's fourth in the league with um, turnover worthy throws and he's only thrown three. So he, he's, he's probably due for some regression and against, you know, a sharp defensive yeah. mind. Obviously that is a concern. Um, I, w- I would say generally I trust the offensive line. Like, you know, the, the offensive skill set is more sticky. So I'm, I'm assuming they can impose their will. And, you know, I'm not saying it's 80%. I'm saying it's, I think this is maybe 56%. I think the number mm. should be five. And sure. given the seven, I think is valuable. And I, I mean, yeah. the other concern on the other side is the Colts secondary, a couple of couple of injuries at, sa- uh, at safety. And again, I'm assuming that if they're only rushing four and they're putting seven back there, they can sort of cover up those weaknesses. But again, you know, the Bills have good receivers and they will be throwing it downfield. So they're... Yeah, there are obviously ways it can get beat. I, I just think it's a, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a good EV bet. Steven, it, it feels like to me, this is like, and it, you know, this is, <laughs> I'm sure the, the viewers and listeners are going to find this so incredibly handy uh, as, a, as a little nugget here. This feels like the Colts cover or they lose by 20. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't feel like it's a close, you know, it's like, it's like they cover or they lose by three touchdowns. Like, it feels like it's just like, yeah. it, it, they, like it gets out of hand or, or they keep this game close the whole time. Well, if they're going to employ the game plan that I think they're going to and be run heavy and kind of mirror what we saw San Francisco do to the L.A. Rams last week, like Brad mentioned it, that requires you to have a pretty high success rate on third down to make it work because you're not going to pick up first downs running the ball on first and second down most of the time. So there is some kind of variance with that with with trying to be run heavy but that's hey that's that's how you try and win a game like this against an elite passing offense yeah. so that could definitely blow up in your face but I'm, I'm banking on the fact that they have been one of the elite running teams in the league since week four and that they were able to run on this bill's defense to with with the season on the line last year and keep it a three-point game Let's head to the Lions and the Browns. The Browns are 11, 11 and a half point home favorites over the Detroit Lions. 43 and a half is our total here. Jared Goff is questionable in this game. So we might not. And I, if you're a Detroit Lion fan, maybe you're kind of happy that he's questionable in this game and that he that he might not go in. Also, we thought it was going to be blow, but it's not. It's going to be Tim Boyle if Goff is not able to go in this game. Of course, it seems like Baker Mayfield, if you hear everything that's coming out, it seems like Baker Mayfield is going to go 
for the Browns. This seems like the survivor play of the week if you happen to have the Browns still available because you have no future value with this team whatsoever. You can get all of me and Steven's thoughts in another video over on YouTube if you want to go ahead and and take a, a look at that. But um Steven, I'll start with you here. Do you care one way or another, like like who plays quarterback for the Lions as to how you view this game? No. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I care more that DeAndre Swift has a shoulder injury and was limited yeah. on Wednesday after dealing with a groin injury for most of the season. So that's clearly their number one weapon at this point. I, I don't know what to think of this game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's probably I, I've I've backed Detroit at big numbers a lot of this season. But I also think that the Browns in the trenches are going to just completely mash what Detroit is throwing up there. So this to me kind of mirrors what we saw when the Eagles played the Lions a couple of weeks ago and the Eagles were really elite along the offensive and the defensive lines. So, but in that game, we were only had to lay three with the Eagles. Now we're having to lay like 10, 11 here, mm-hmm. maybe more by kickoff. So uh, it's a stay away for me, but it wouldn't shock me in the least if the, if the Lions lose by like 30 here and the Browns are pissed off after what they showed last week. Brad, again, I kind of joke, but I think I'm being serious where it's like, I don't know at this point, if you're a Lions fan, if you're not happy that maybe Jared Goff is going to miss this game, like you couldn't, you cannot play worse in the NFL than that guy is playing right now. I mean, I understand there's not a lot of talent on that team, but I mean, we've seen Arnold says, hold my beer, by the way, it's close. We've seen guys like with talentless teams, at least like, you know, put up a fight and he's just absolutely clueless missing wide open guys by 10. You like the stats you don't see is the stuff that is, is, is crazy right here. But uh, Cleveland gets destroyed last week by uh, Bill Belichick and his defense. Obviously, that's not going to be the case here with this Lions team, but is the 11, 11 and a half fair or do you think it's too much or how do you view this game? It's it's quite appealing to me. So if Goff doesn't go, this uh, this Boyle fellow, undrafted um, out of college, <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of years as like practice squad in Green Bay, then he broke his thumb in Lions preseason. So he's not practiced at all, really. So, mm. you know, if you want to chuck him in there against, um, you know, Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett and co, with no receivers and a left tackle yeah. playing right tackle and then, a, you know, a moving around offensive line, I can't see how that goes well. And then, yeah, as Stephen says, when... Uh, the Browns are going to go for six yards a carry here for 40 carries if they want. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know why Baker's trying to play. He's a, he's a moron. I don't think he's a, yeah. a clever person. Just wants to show how tough he is rather than help the team. Uh, like, because Keenum at this point is surely maybe a point worse at best than like a broken shouldered, torn labrum Baker Mayfield, but he's determined to show around how manly he is. So good for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think they need a quarterback. I, I think we might be able to stick Steven back there and um, just hand it off to, to whoever's playing running back. Yeah. And I think they could win by 30. Or Tim Boyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boyle versus Boyle. Um, yeah. I, I think it's probably short to be honest, Like. You know, they also just played five quarters against the Steelers. In you know, that was there was like fifty yeah. runs in that in that game. And again, they they got they got the tie. It seems like the trend with the Lions this year is one big effort they lose in heartbreaking fashion. They let down next week, and then they get up again the next week, and they lose again. So this this is the letdown spot after a big uh, a big sixteen all tie against the Steelers. You know, they, they can't be just feeling too well, and they they might just get demolished. I think. 
Yeah, and, and the other thing about this is the the Browns are likely to have Chubb back this week as well, and so now you can go one two punch with Dernish Johnson and and Nick Chubb as well to just kind of as we're talking about just beat this Lions team up like from the inside out. So um, it's it's a Browns or nothing play for me. And again, like I said, if you're if you're in Survivor, I think the Browns are the way to go this week. Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings, a very interesting game, a game that we have action on here um, on my side on this thing. Uh, Right now, the Packers are one and a half to two point road uh, favorites over the Vikings, a total of 48 and a half or 49. So we see the Vikings come out last week. We see them beat the Chargers outright. We see the Packers come out and it was clunky. But they beat the Seattle Seahawks. They shut them out 17 to nothing. Aaron Rodgers did not look extremely sharp in that game, but the defense continues to really, really play play well. And over the last month, uh, actually five weeks of the season, this Packers defense has been one of the very best in the NFL. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, a team that their record doesn't necessarily show everything I think about this team. You know, guys, if we look at this Viking squad and we go down, you know, three point loss to the Bengals, one point loss to the Cardinals, that, you know, one a touchdown loss to the Browns, a four point loss to the Cowboys, a three point loss to the Ravens. You can see, I mean, they, they, this record of four and five could easily be five and four could easily be even better than that. So Brad, when you look at this, do you think that green Bay covers here? Do you think that Minnesota could shock the world? What do you, what do you think? But it's, it's a tricky one because as you, as you say, you've got the team that wins close games and the team that loses close games, but it's also, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind mm-hmm. of historical. Like, Green Bay has just won a lot more games than it should do for the last three years and hmm. pretty much now through Rogers' entire career. Um, you know, if you if you just back Rogers blindly against the spread every single game of his career, you'd be hitting like 58% or something stupid. And, and I think when he missed the game, you kind of saw a little bit of that. Like he just does, you know, they're in the right play. If there's a light box, he'll run the ball. He's calling timeouts at the right time. He doesn't throw interceptions like you know, fewer interceptions than anyone else. So I, I do think there's maybe something that these play-by-play metrics may be missing. Like, I mean, if you look at football outsiders numbers, they think, they think, they think the Vikings should be favored here. Um, but, you know, I, I'm inclined to think, I'm inclined to lean Green Bay's way. I've not bet it because I, a, you, you don't know what Vikings are going to show up. Are they going to throw the ball to Jefferson 11 times? as they should be doing every game, like they did last game. Are they going to go for it on fourth down like they did last game, like they should be doing every game? Like that's the, It's the first time all season they've played optimally. But are they going to do it again? You, you are, you've got no idea, to be honest. And then Green Bay's defense is getting a bit banged up now. Um, you know, I think it was Rashawn Gary hyperextended his elbow. He said he wants to play, but I, I can't see how he's going to be effective after that. Um, Whitney Merciless, he's out the, the edge rusher. Um, Obviously, Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander also out already. So they're starting to get a bit thin um, out there. And you could see the Vikings having success, A, running the ball, and then throwing to Jefferson and Thielen as well. So uh, a stay away from me, in short. Steven, we have, uh, and you know, this doesn't mean he's going to play. Vikings designated Patrick Peterson to return from injured reserve. Harrison Smith uh, did get activated off of the COVID list for them as well. So they should, at least at least from this Harrison Smith standpoint, um, have at least one guy back on the defensive side of the ball in this game. They didn't even have last week with everything. 
The other thing I think to look at in all of this, I mean, you know, there are some Zimmer's just made some horrible decisions all year long. I mean, the guy is like just one of the least sharp coaches in all the NFL. Even last week, they get down to the one yard line against the worst run defense in the NFL. Do they hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook? No, they throw it from the one yard line three times in a row. It's just like all kinds of these, you know, all kinds of these decisions where it's like, you know, what what are you doing here? And Lafleur, I think, even though he doesn't get a ton of credit, I think is at least a a fairly sharp guy here. This does feel like one of those games that could that could come down to one score, come down to final possession, something like that somewhere along the way. Do you think that that breaks on the Green Bay side? Do you think that breaks on the Minnesota side? Or do you feel like the one of these teams has a has a has a definite edge? I don't know. Flip a coin, man. I mean, I, this line <laughs> hasn't moved at all all week, it, despite a lot. It seems at least in my Twitter feed, I don't know about you guys. It seems like there is a lot of industry support market support for the Minnesota Vikings as I mean this was this it's was dropped Green a point Bay. it's dropped a point yeah I mean it's it has dropped a point it was two and a half it was two and a half on on Tuesday in uh in favor of the Vikings I mean in favor of the Packers it's, it's down to one and a half so it's it's coming it's come down a point yeah, my apologies. When I looked at this last night, it hasn't moved. But as we record this now on Thursday, it has. So there is money coming in on Minnesota here. And this is our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich, is one of his two best bets this week, along with Houston to cover. I think Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson potentially coming back is significant. This is a Vikings defense that was already eighth in EPA per play defense. Uh, the the Packers offense is without Aaron Jones. And I know a lot of us, here, I think are mostly money running backs don't matter, but he matters a lot to the passing game for Green Bay. He is probably their second best receiver. So AJ Dillon, I think, will do a fine job in the ground game, but that's a big drop off in the passing game to me. So on the other side of the ball, the Packers are bottom five in EPA per play allowed in the running game. And Brad has already mentioned the injury to Gary. He's going to try and play with a brace on that elbow. Um, but he is right up there with Max Crosby as the only two players that rank top five in both pressures, QB hits and hurry. So that would be a significant drop off if he is not his normal self in this game. So I say all of this to say that, sure, Aaron Rodgers can still take over any game any given week, but there's a lot of things pointing to Minnesota being a very strong team and maybe catching Green Bay at the right time right now. So Alan Lazard didn't practice on Wednesday. Devontae Adams was limited on Wednesday. Aaron Rodgers didn't practice on Wednesday. And they're all going to play. They all say that they're going to play. But the thing that was interesting to me was the Aaron Rodgers injury was a toe. And we've seen these toe injuries with quarterbacks like linger and just kind of like be uncomfortable and all. And listen, I understand they'll give him some horse tranquilizers and all that stuff and he'll be he'll be fine and he'll be good to go. But, uh, you know, there are he he said that he was a little bit tired after his little after his uh, stint with covid and all that. I, I think that. I think that there are some lingering things going on here that maybe kind of lean in the the Vikings favor as well. I do have the Vikings in a teaser leg this week. I had it when it was at two and a half. I took it all the way up to eight and a half. I actually took a small piece of them on the money line as well. Not a ton, but just a little bit of a sprinkle of them on the money line. Um, 
I do have some respect for this Packers defense. I, I think what we've seen with our eye, listen, there's, there's one thing to have a small sample size. I understand that five weeks of the NFL season is not that huge, but it's half of what we've been able to see, right? I mean, we've only, we're through 10 weeks and for half the season, they played really, really well. And so I, I have to tend to believe that maybe that is real, that there is some realness to this Packers defense. So I do have some respect for that. I think it'll be a pretty close game. That's why I, I did want to play it in a teaser and then even get a little sprinkle in the money line because I think it could be a, a field goal type of game. And maybe that field goal ends up on the Minnesota side and I can take home both of those bets. Washington football team at the Carolina Panthers, three, three and a half right now in favor of the Panthers, 43, 43 and a half, your total here. We are all three in agreement on a bet. I don't know if that's ever happened on this podcast before. I do not know if this is a thing, but it is now a thing, Stephen. We are all on the Washington football team. Are we allowed to all bet on the same game? Is that How the hell did this happen? Of all the teams, of all the weeks, of all the games, we're all <laughs> on the Washington football team this week. So, yeah, I, we can all give our various reasons. The craziest thing. But, yes, we're all on the Washington football team. If you are religious, be the same reason. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you are religious, say a prayer for us because we're all on Washington. Uh, I'll start with this. Our senior writer, Mo Noir, wrote that this is one of the more bizarre line moves that he's seen uh, this week with the Panthers getting pushed past the most significant key number of three. This was two and a half. Now it's at three and a half. And I agree with him because, Matt, who had the more impressive win last week? Was it the Washington football team against Tom Brady and the Bucks, Or was it Carolina at Arizona without Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt and more? Yeah, I know. It seems like nobody was watching that. I almost feel like nobody was watching that Washington game against the Bucks or something because like no one came out talking about that. It was about all these other games and nobody was talking about Washington. And, and, and you know, listen, they figured something out on the offensive side of the ball. They were able to they were able to move the chains. They were able to uh, to keep the Bucks off of the uh, Bucks offense off the field and things like that. And I think more than anything, Taylor Heineke wasn't just out there flipping the ball all over the place, turning it over. So, um, you know, if mo- a little bit more of that this week, I think we're, we're probably in pretty good shape. Yeah. We're getting a, a better number now through the most important number of all at three. So we're getting three and a half. And I think, Overall, your opinion of this line really just comes down to what do you think of Cam Newton and what he's going to provide in this game? Because we've mentioned Sam Darnold was quite literally the worst quarterback in the league and one of the worst we've seen in decades statistically. And Cam Newton is joining his old team, but it's not the same coaching staff and it's not the same offensive system. So he's just like any other quarterback coming off the street here trying to learn this offense at a, at a rate of less than two weeks to be sufficient enough to give this team an edge to cover three and a half. And if you look at a chart of quarterbacks from 2017 to 2020, you'll find Cam Newton worse than every single quarterback not named Eli Manning in completion percentage over expected. And among names like Andy Dalton, Mitch Trubisky and Joe Flacco in terms of EPA per play. His 70.9 PFF grade with New England last year would have been 25th so far this season behind the Dolphins quarterbacks and Geno Smith. So I guess in the range of outcomes, there is a scenario where Cam Newton starts playing like an above average quarterback off the street. But I think it's a very small percentage. So I'm happy to get three and a half on Washington here, despite how well the Carolina defense admittedly has played this season. So, Brad, we look at this and, 
yeah, I mean, Cam Newton adds a different element to the offense. He can certainly run the ball. That said, the Washington, as bad as the Washington pass defense has been this year, the run defense is still a top 10 unit in the NFL. And so the way that you really attack this Washington defense is through that putrid secondary that can't cover anybody. Well, in comes Cam Newton and one of the things we've never said about Cam Newton is Cam Newton has been able to come in and attack anybody's secondary, at least not since his MVP season. We hadn't seen any of that from Cam Newton. Let's not forget we're only a few months away from the from the Patriots deciding, yeah, we'll uh we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and take the rookie. Yeah, you can go. Like, 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 we don't, yeah, what did they see in training camp to yeah. just like cut them loose? Yeah, like, I mean, this was a widely considered thing where he was going to start and that Mac Jones was going to take over at some point down the line in the season. And they were like, yeah, no, you can go ahead and, and go. We'll, we'll go ahead and start with the rookie here. Um, so is it an upgrade over what they have? Yes, absolutely. Is it a move it through the number, the key number of three to three and a half because Cam Newton is starting over PJ Walker or over Sam Darnold or anything like that. I just can't get there. I think it's just a big time overreaction. And so I, I jumped on the three and a half. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same reason for all of us, isn't it? <laughs> like if, if Cam Newton doesn't score those two touchdowns, that, well, you know, throws one, runs one, that are on red zone, he's screaming, I'm back, that's all over Twitter. Like if he just runs eight plays and, and PJ Walker gets the two touchdowns, <laughs> it, it, this is still one and a half, right? Like I think everyone's just going, oh, Cam's back, he's scoring touchdowns, this team's good now. <laughs> right. like, so, so now yeah. obviously the football team, I think before they went, before the bye, their secondary was bad, but they were also unsustainably bad on third down. Like they, you know, they would have been the worst third down defense ever. And they were better than that last week. Now, obviously, they lose Chase Young. They lost Montez Sweat last week. So the pass rush is diminished, but they've still got Jonathan Allen in the middle. And if you look at the Bucks game, John Allen was smashing up the Bucks guards in the center. Um, Brady said after the game, that's why he was trying to get rid of the ball so quickly because his, his guys were getting beaten inside. And that's, that's like the best interior in the league. Well, the Panthers' interior is one of the worst in the league. So I think... I think Cam's going to have pressure in his face um, early and often. Um, and then the Washington offensive line is, is getting healthier as well. Um, so I, I think they're going to try and run the ball. You know, passing could be a struggle because I, I do think that Panthers team is very good with those with all those cornerbacks. Um, but yeah, it's essentially, uh, you know, I think the game should be minus one and a half, minus two. And we're getting three and a half just because Cam screamed, I'm back. So yeah, val- another value play, I think. <laughs> Love it. San Francisco 49ers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. 49ers coming off of a massive beatdown of the Rams. That finds them as six and a half point road favorites over the Jags. 45, 45 and a half your total here. Brad, there has been the narrative already. People talking about San Francisco having to fly across the country on a on a, uh, you know, minimally short week um, with, uh, you know, having the, the emotions of having won that game uh, the way that they did against the Rams, put themselves back in the playoff hunt, all these different things, all these different narratives as to why maybe you should be backing the Jaguars in this game. Full disclosure for me on this thing, I can't get heads or tails of how I would go about this thing. It'll be a sit back and, and watch for me. But do you think that the six, six and a half is appropriate? Do you think it's too much? Is there anything that you've seen from the Jaguars in this, you know, in this entire season that would make you want to back them? Uh, the, the defense is interesting. The, the, the Jacksonville defense, the last three games, 
they've been interesting. They're 11th in success rate and 11th in EPA allowed. And that's against the Bills, you know, sort of decent offense against the Colts last week, another decent offense top half. And then before that against the Seahawks and Gino, Um, you know, and obviously they had the bye before that. So maybe they did move some things around. So, I could, I could potentially be swayed to look at the under because Trevor Lawrence has continued to be awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that same time period, I was talking about the, the Niners are seventh in um, success rate allowed on defense. So we've got a couple of defenses playing well, playing fast, teams that want to run the ball as well. So I could, I could be swayed by an under 46 and a half on the, on the side. Like, I, I don't want to back San Francisco in that spot because we've seen they can just drop stinkers this season, um, you know, getting demolished at home to the, to the Cardinals with a backup quarterback. So, you wouldn't be surprised to see him put out another stinker. Um, so, you know, maybe the under. Steven, we, you know, what everybody knows, you are, you're a 49ers fan here. They run the ball 44 times this past week and to a, you know, to a ton of success and against a defense that is supposed to be one of, you know, still supposed to be a, a good run defense, not like one of the elite in the league or anything like that, but it's one that was still supposed to be good. So, they didn't, you know, metrics be damned. They just ran the ball and they ran the ball effectively and they ran the ball 44 times. And, and uh, do you expect more of the same this week from them? Or do you think that this is a spot where they get back to running a more balanced offense and maybe then we see some of that clunkiness that we saw from them, you know, throughout the course of the season? I think with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, this is exactly how Kyle Shanahan wants to run the offense. I mean, we've seen this not just this year, but in years past when they were one of the the finalists in the Super Bowl. They won a playoff game against Minnesota with with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing like less than 15 passes in that game, a playoff game. They did that. So that that is how they want to operate if they are able to. But to further Brad's point, I'm not sure the Jags are a good matchup for that. They have the number seven rush D DVOA this season and their second in explosive run plays allowed. So they might they might take that away from San Francisco in this game. And then who knows? Because the Jags are mm-hmm. playing tougher. They've covered three of the past four. And with how inconsistent the 49ers have been, Brad, you talked last week about the ebbs and flows of the season and Teams like the Niners getting up for a primetime game against a rival at home, and now they have to go across the country for an early game against Jacksonville. We've already seen them let down. They got crushed by the Colts this season, albeit in the rain. They got crushed by Arizona without Kyler Murray. So they have not really put together solid back-to-back weeks even even if you count the back-to-back wins from week one and week two, they didn't play well against the Eagles to get that win in week two offensively. So I, I haven't seen it in back-to-back weeks from the Niners this year. So I really don't want to lay six and a half on them on the road in this one. So the only thing I would be tempted by here is if this got up to seven, seven and a half, and I might come back on the other side with Jacksonville. It's crazy for me to say that because the offense has been so putrid. And I, again, I... They're not doing they they are not doing Trevor Lawrence any favors with what they're trying to do with him and the scheme and all the stuff like that. And I understand DJ Chark went down early, so you lose your number one receiver very early on in the season, and that doesn't help out and and all of the different things. But uh, they have been so 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 poor on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it's just been it's been hard to watch more times than not. Um, 
Matt, the other big thing, too, Debo Samuel's dealing with a shin injury now for the Niners. Eli Mitchell had a procedure on his finger. He's supposed to still play, but we'll see if he gets a full workload. So those are their two biggest weapons in the run in the pass game that are not 100 percent as well. Yeah, that's a a finger got put in Mitchell's. I mean, a pen got put in his finger. So I guess like it's a pain tolerance thing as far as he goes. And yeah, but the the bruised shin thing from Debo is certainly something that we'll pay attention to as the week progresses. It's a Jacksonville or pass for me side here. And I'm like you, Steven. I, I think if a if a full touchdown popped, it might be a small bet on Jacksonville for me. Not that I would want oh, to do God. it, but I mean, it's, it's like I think it's just one of those deals where I'd have to come in and play it on principle. Um, so we, we shall see if the line, bet. yeah, yeah. If stinky this, ass Jacksonville it bet. It is. But if it, uh, if it gets there and look, it's, you know, line, it's been on the move. It, it's gone from six, six and a half already. Maybe there, there will be more 49er support come in and you'll find me on Jacksonville this week. I can't believe I'm even saying that. Cincinnati Bengals on the road at the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Bengals right now, one-point favorites. There are pickums out there for this as well. A total of 49.5 to 50 out there for this thing. Um, Steven, we got the Bengals team coming off of a bye. So they had a couple of rough games in a row. Maybe this bye, they were able to figure something out, get back on track here. I personally feel like this Las Vegas Raiders team is set for a free fall. You you saw them. I mean, like the the coach thing, the rugs thing. I don't know what kind of identity they have on offense, right? Like, I mean, it was for a while there. It was like, hey, our best player is Darren Waller. We're going to feature Darren Waller. And then now Darren, Darren Waller's MIA. They can't figure out ways to get him the ball and make him any sort of impact in any of these games. You've uh, you've got uh, Carr has really, really regressed over the last couple of games as well with his play and the stuff that he's been doing out there on the field. So I am tempted I am tempted to play the Bengals in this. I've not yet, um, especially now that it looks like this thing could be moving maybe even towards the Raiders direction where I could get the Bengals maybe plus money on the money line here. So I'll see how this continues to progress throughout the course of the week. But I, I have a pretty decent lean to Cincy here. I bet this on the look ahead, thinking that we would get a hell of a lot better performance than we did from the Raiders on Sunday night football with how bad the Bengals were playing. And I, I hate it now. I got the, the Raiders as a pick them and I regret having that in my account because they just don't look they look lost. They, honestly, the Raiders offense past couple of weeks has looked as lost as the Bengals defense has looked mm-hmm. their past couple of games. So which team is more lost in this game, right? So I don't know. I don't really have a good feel for this one. So if if you're looking for me to make a re- recommendation at this point, I can't give you one. This is a stay away from me and see which team can figure out their mess better in this one. So, Brad, what we do have here is a, is a Las Vegas team that they don't ever blitz, like de- like dead last in the league in blitz rate, and they just try and go at you and get pressure with the with that front four. That didn't work this past week against uh, against um, Kansas City. Kansas City also uh, uh, you know dinked and dunked the ball down the field and just can continue to just run up the score, scored every single time. You know they're getting the ball, and then the Raiders' offense, and I use that in air quotes as well, was just non-existent. 
it's like since since Gruden left, they can't figure out what they want to do, who they want to be. Are they a run team? Are they a pass team? Are they a get it to Waller team? Are they whatever? I, they can't figure out what they want to do at all. I think that this just kind of sets up well for Cincinnati. Joe Burrow out of a bye, probably figured you know a couple of things out here and there. Shouldn't be under pressure. Uh, all that much. And even if he, I mean, he shouldn't be facing blitzes really all that much. And even when he is under pressure, Burrow has been one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL this year under pressure. So I don't know. It seems to me like I thought this was going to be Cincinnati two, two and a half. And the fact that this could be moving to where they're a slight underdog seems like, seems like this is moving in the wrong direction to me. What am I missing? Um, I'm not sure. I, I, Carr is still good, I think. Right? Well, he's played well this year, um, for the most part. Um, so, I mean, that that would be the only thing that is you're kind of selling low. You know, they, they've had a bad run the last couple of weeks. Like, I, I don't have a strong opinion anyway. I'm just just trying to tell you what you might be missing. Yeah. Um, my my biggest view might be the over. So Bengals throwing mm-hmm. 69% in neutral situations over the last month since since they're a bit more confident in Burrow's knee. Uh, Vegas playing the top 12 pace, eighth in situation, neutral pass rate. Um, and then obviously we know that the Raiders are big into their cover three um, on defense. They stuck with that despite like they, they did they didn't play cover two against Mahomes like everyone else in the league has been doing and, and they got shredded for it. And Burrow comes in uh, with the fifth best PFF grade against uh, cover three. So I, f- I feel like the Bengals should have some success if they sit in that zone. Um, uh, you know, I think he probably will carve it up. Um, so maybe maybe over 50 would be the look, but yeah, uh, it's a tough one to call, I think. Yeah, I think there, there definitely could be points unless this uh, Cincinnati defense figured something out over the bye because they were... They were, you know, I think we all thought, you know, fake good there for a, a while. They were they were stopping teams pretty regularly. And then now we've seen that fall off. Now their grades and their rankings have all fallen kind of more to the middle of the pack here over the course of of the last month of the season. And, you know, did they figure anything out? And if they didn't, then maybe the the look is here over the there's still a 49 and a half available out there as well. So something to look at. I'm probably going to be on Cincinnati when it's all said and done, especially if it looks like this line is going to flip, which it looks like this line might end up flipping when it's all said and done. Arizona Cardinals on the road at the Seattle Seahawks right now. The line one and a half to two and a half in favor of the Arizona Cardinals on the road. 48, 48 and a half is your total. Brad, this line seems to suggest that Kyler Murray is going to play. It looks like to me now DeAndre Hopkins still not out there practicing. He probably is more on the doubtful side of questionable for this thing. We saw Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks team lay a complete egg against the Green Bay Packers last week could not get anything going at all I mean look just looked absolutely clueless out there I think there was some rust factor going on I think there's also at least a there has to be some sort of hindrance in him playing with his finger so incredibly soon after this surgery where they thought I mean, we didn't think we were going to be looking at Russell Wilson at the earliest until this week but you know the 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 time frame they gave went all the way to the beginning of December so uh, I don't know. I have a teaser leg and that all that being said, I have a teaser leg in on Seattle, which I made really early in the week thinking that there would be no way the Cardinals would play Kyler Murray here. I just thought by conventional wisdom 
that if you have a guy that you are completely reliant on to make any sort of run in the playoffs whatsoever, and you have a bye coming the week after this game, which they do, the uh, Cardinals bye week is next week, that you would just keep him out and, you know, you, you just kind of play it without him and then you get him completely healthy and then you go on your run and try to win a Super Bowl. It seems like they're leaning towards playing him, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm just reading a, a story on, on one of the Arizona sites now um, and Murray's saying he's he's pretty close. Um, I'm, I've made crazy progress. He, he hopes to play, basically. Um, so, uh, yeah, it does sound like he's trending to playing. I, I would agree with you, generally. Like, what? don't risk him. Um, you know, with 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 the with the buy coming up, um, but yeah, it sounds like he's going to play. So, will he be fully healthy? Is that is the second question after that? Because we know how much the performance drops off. You know, it's an ankle that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be? Is he going to stay in the pocket and you know do less of the crazy sort of running around stuff? That 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 does hurt the offense. And I think the, so. I had, a, I had a little look to the under around forty eight and a half or so. Because A, as you said, Russ has come back too soon, rehabbing 20 hours a day, a finger somehow. I, I, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> right. or, or why, he's, why he's not sleeping. Russ, yeah. get some maybe, sleep, maybe, come on. Maybe the problem is we didn't see, but maybe that finger is like nine times the size of like a normal finger now because he's just been working it out <laughs> so much. Feel like it's got, yeah, his finger has like biceps or whatever now, you know, it's, yeah. like, it's crazy. For, for tw- 20 hours a day he's doing this, Boy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's another Baker Mayfield situation to me. Like it clearly didn't help the team. Like it, you know, it's a freezing yeah. cold day in Green Bay. He's he's not practiced. He's rushed back. He's got pins in his finger, and he's skipping the ball all over the field. And he, he mm. was bad, and it, it cost the team the game probably. Um, so he should be better this week. But he's, you know, he's still way ahead of a schedule. Um, now, what's interesting as well, so Romo was talking about, he was on that game, wasn't he? And you might remember last year, the Chiefs-Bucks game, he was like, oh, I think we could see this again in the Super Bowl. The Bucks are going to be much better. And he was saying on the Seahawks, he was like, oh, they'll, they'll be fine. I think they're going to make a run for the playoffs. And he was talking a lot about the defense as well, because they've shifted a bit away from you know the, the Pete Carroll cover three, and they're doing a lot more mm-hmm. disguising coverages, a lot more of this too high Fangio defense. Um, and obviously... They kept Rogers in check, whether whether that was COVID related or not. Um, so and you know, they they've played well recently as well, over the last month. So I, I think you possibly got two nicked up quarterbacks, um, two defenses playing well, and um, also Carroll said after that game we need to run the ball more. So I, I could definitely see. You oh know, God! The, yeah, <laughs> because Green Bay were doing the cover two light boxes and injured Russ is throwing downfield the whole time. Mm. I think. Lockett and DK Metcalf were one and two in most unrealized air yards. So now Carroll's going to swing the other way and go run, run, run the ball. So I think like a first half under would be a good look. Um, or well, I bet full game under. But yeah, I, th- I think that's the look personally. Stephen, we've got um, we. It's one of those things where the the teaser option is dangling, but. There are at least some concerns on Seattle's side here. Uh, just, you know, exactly what kind of your performance you're going to get on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it is of note. It is not, we can't overreact to Wednesday practice news, but DK Metcalf didn't practice on on Wednesday for this team. Uh, dealing with some sort of foot injury. Now, again, we're not going to overreact to all that, but certainly something to monitor throughout the course of the week here as well. How do you see this? Let, let's let's assume Kyler's playing with your with your handicap of this game. I bet this on the look ahead last week just 
assuming that Kyler would be back this week. Um, fingers crossed that I was, I'm going to be proven right in that regard. I could not believe that it was plus one on the look ahead for Arizona. I think that Arizona is one of the five, six, seven best teams in the NFL. And Seattle is one of the five, six, seven worst teams in the NFL. Um, even if Russell Wilson kind of gets back to what he was early in the season. Seattle, the first four weeks before he got hurt, was sixth in EPA per play, eighth in dropback EPA per play, but 27th in dropback success rate. So they were explosive, but they were really inconsistent. So I understand, Matt, why you like them as a teaser leg here. Eli also likes them as a teaser leg this week. And if you want that teaser leg, you better get it now because if Kyler is out, this is going to be a Seattle minus three line and the teaser leg is going to be gone. But I just think if Kyler is playing anything under a field goal here for Arizona is a gift because I just mentioned those Seattle offensive numbers when Russ was healthy. Well, the Arizona offense was even better. And defensively, they were second and sixth in dropback EPA per play and success rate defense. Fifth in rush EPA, too, on the defensive side for Arizona. I think this is just a complete team, a complete roster if Kyler is out there and fingers crossed that he is. Dallas Cowboys at the Kansas City Chiefs, the premier Game of the week. Two teams high in everybody's power rankings. Two teams that both have Super Bowl aspirations. Two teams that might be fighting for it all when it all comes said and done here after we get through with week 18 in the NFL. Right now, Kansas City Chiefs are two and a half point home favorites over the Dallas Cowboys. um, 56 to 56 and a half is your total in this one. Guys, we saw the return of, you know, we saw the return of, I'm not going to say Patrick Mahomes last week, but what we saw was Patrick Mahomes running the offense the way the offense should be run. Andy Reid calling the plays that needed to be called. Them not always going for the home run ball. Patrick Mahomes not putting the ball in danger all the time. He was patient he settled for what the defense gave him, and with that, was able to rack up over 400 yards passing and move up the ball, move the ball up and down the field and score a bunch of points. Dallas Cowboys rebounded last week. We knew they were going to be one of the best offenses in the league. They showed they were one of the best offenses in the league last week. By the way, they get Michael Gallup back last week as well, so he is now a week further um, removed from being injured as well, so he's going to be fit more into this offense. It was already awesome, and so now you add a Michael Gallup in there as well to a defense that has surprised everybody this year. I'm so incredibly excited about this game. Brad, I'm going to start with you because I know you have a bet in on this one. You're going to, you're, you're, you're not going to take the favorite here. Um, no. So we spoke a little bit about it with the Raiders game where the entire league, you know, the, the Packers and the Giants two weeks before cover two, two deep safeties, light box, and it, it worked beautifully right they were you know they probably should have lost both those games if they if they weren't Jordan Love and uh, you know a bunch of jokers on the Giants with no receivers um, now the Raiders last week said we don't have the personnel for that or whatever reason they said we're, we're, we're going to run cover three we're going to do what we do and you know they they shredded it it was a lot it was a lot of screens a lot of checkdowns, and it was interesting after the game Mahomes comes out and he said um you know, the, the improvement in the defense has allowed him to rein it in a bit. You know, a lot of people saying he, he was pressing, 
Um, and he said, now now I know that the defense has improved with with Melvin Ingram, Chris Jones back, Charvarius Ward back, linebackers healthy. He said, I'm I'm happy to take a punt. I'm not I'm not pressing it now. Mm. So I would I would say this line suggests that they're fully fixed. The Chiefs' offense is back because I think the Cowboys are one of the very best teams in the league, and obviously you can probably give one or one and a half points for home field. So this line to me says the Chiefs are pretty uh, you know a point better, and there's nothing in there's nothing in this year's stats that say that's true. So you, you've got to say the Chiefs are fully back, and I, I wonder. You know, Mahomes said it was against his nature to to check it down like that. So, what happens if the Cowboys go up twenty to ten? Like, does does Mahomes start pressing again? Uh, you know, I think that is definitely in the range of outcomes. Um, I would also say that this Dan Quinn defense is another cover three defense. So, how does he play? Does he does he twist his personnel into cover two, or does he does he do the Raiders thing? We run what we run. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's tricky. But to me, it's just I think it's more likely there's some regression. Um, there's, there's, there's a chance of regression, and if they are back to where they are, then the line is the line is correct. So you know, it's a bit of a free bet almost. Stephen, a couple of things for me. I, I want to play. I really do. I want to play the Cowboys here, but a couple of things keep me off. There's no guarantee Tyron Smith is going to be back out there for them this week. I mean, listen, Jerry Jones, every time he goes on these radio, everybody quotes Jerry Jones. Every time he goes to these radio programs, whoever they ask him about always has a shot of playing this week. Like he always like, like every time it's always like, Oh no, I I think he's got a real shot of playing this week. It's like, that's what he says. Yeah. He says every single time. So Jerry Jones saying that Tyron Smith has a, has a good chance of playing this week means absolutely nothing to me at all. And you wouldn't get it from the stat line. Cause if you weren't watching that game, and you probably turned it off fairly early because it was a blowout. What you didn't notice from the stat line was you saw this massive game from CeeDee Lamb. What you didn't see was he spent most of the second half on the sideline because there was some sort of little injury thing going on with him. He didn't play most of the second half. And they asked him about it, and he said it is a Charlie horse that kept really nagging. And I don't exactly know what that means. And that doesn't make me feel great, though, um, for hearing him say something like that as well. So certainly a a monitor that type situation with CeeDee Lamb throughout the rest of the week as well. But all things considered, I think if if you if if you honest, if you honestly sat me down and said, which one of these teams is the better team today? I would say the Dallas Cowboys yet for whatever reason, I've not run to the book. I've not run to the book and put in the bet on them. Why, why have I not put in the bet on the Dallas Cowboys? What's keeping me from doing that, Stephen? What, what's going on with me? We talked about it last week, our belief and our understanding of what the chiefs can be right. I mean, they've done, they've been to back-to-back Super Bowls, So we, we understand what their ceiling is. And last week was really the first time since week one that we saw that ceiling offensively. But Matt, you and I this week both ranked Dallas as the number one team in our mm-hmm. poll for the Lions power rankings. And we do that ac- exercise in a way where we are putting the team that we we think this week should be the favorite over every other single team in the league on a neutral field just for this week. So you and I are of the belief that Dallas right now is the best team in the NFL all around, not just offensively, but defensively as well. 
I will say for this game, I am concerned about the Cowboys' pass rush. Randy Gregory joined Demarcus Lawrence on IR. Now they have four guys on the defensive line that are graded 60th, 78th, 84th, and 105th among edge and interior players by PFF. It's not good. And it's a tall task against the Chiefs' offense. Now, ask the Raiders what happens if you can't get pressure with just four. They got torched. And if they blitz the Cowboys, Mahomes is third best in the league this year against the blitz with 137.2 passer rating. So if you haven't bet it yet, I would need plus three on Dallas. And I think we might get it if you want to play that side. I think we might get the three. The the Chiefs are just very well known for for this line moving as it gets closer to kickoff over the past year, year and a half. So the total of 56 tells us that the Cowboys probably are going to have to be a lead on offense again, which they're certainly capable of. They rank higher than the Chiefs on offense in almost every single key metric. And since getting blown out by Buffalo, the Chiefs defense is 17th and 13th in EPA and success rate, but 29th and 28th overall in the season. So you have to ask yourself, did they turn a corner or are they just playing a softer schedule? And Dallas's defense in that span, I should add, third and second. So this is a really good defense, hopefully, that we see for Kansas City. I understand why the line is what it is. I think we all acknowledge that. We know the Chiefs have a Super Bowl ceiling, but I want to see it one more time against an offense that I think is every bit as good as the one that that Buffalo put out there that torched Kansas City earlier this year. I don't play a ton of totals. Um, I put in a I put in about a half unit bet on the over in this one at 55. It has moved in my direction. So at least there's that for for me here all the way up to 56 and a half at DraftKings right now. Um, 55 and a half at MGM 56 points bet. So, um, you know, I, I it has moved in my direction a little bit here. I believe in both of these offenses, I think, moving forward. I, I do believe that the Chiefs understand now that if they're just going to have to take what the defenses give them, and that's just the team they're going to have to be if they're going to have any success moving forward. And I, I think that Patrick Mahomes is sharp enough to realize that as well. You hear some of the quotes that they're talking about and what they're saying. I, I think that there's a chance that, that they did that. And of course, I'm a huge believer in the Dallas offense. I think that they are, I think that they are super elite. I think they're going to score on anyone. I think they're going to score on everybody. So it doesn't matter if this chief defense has started to play better or not. So I, uh, I did put in a, a smaller play on the over 55 um, in this one. We also have a Dallas team that plays super fast as it is anyway. Um, you got Kansas City offense that plays super fast as far as neutral pace. Like they're the second fastest and ninth fastest team when it comes to that as well. So there's just a lot of things I think that uh, lend to this kind of heading towards a, a an over as well. Explosive plays. We know these ridiculous wide receivers that they've got in um, in Tyreek Hill and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and all that stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I'm um, I'm going to be on I'm on the over there. And that's if I get a full three, Mike could see me on the Cowboys. So this game's going to be fun as hell, though. I can't wait oh, for it. Favorite favorite game of the season. No doubt about it. Oh, full three is a Steelers at the Chargers. The Chargers. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, Chargers are blasted all the way up to six and a half at some books. Uh, there are still five and a half available, but blasted all the way up to to six and a half at some books. A total of forty six and a half or forty seven. The real question here: um, 
Stephen, is whether Ben Roethlisberger is going to play for the Steelers or not and whether he's going to be able to make it back. We know they have some other injuries and situations that they're dealing with as well. And when all that news hit, this was sitting four and a half in favor of the Chargers. This thing moved two points. This thing didn't move a whole point. This thing moved two whole points in favor of the Chargers. Yeah, I think there's some concern with TJ Watt, too, that might have moved this a little bit as well. Um, I'm mad at myself that I didn't bet it early because I think we've all been in agreement that Pittsburgh is at best an average team and more likely a below average team this year, especially offensively. So I, I still do believe in the Chargers. They've had a couple of tough weeks here in recent weeks, but I still think this Chargers offense is night and day better than what the Steelers are trotting out there with an inferior quarterback and a below average offensive line. Chase Claypool may come back this week, but they've been missing him in recent weeks as well. So the number's gone at this point. I've, I'm, I'd be bet, I'd be getting the worst of the number at this point if I'm going to bet the Chargers, but I have zero interest in betting the Steelers this week. You. <laughs> Brad, the the quote coming out of Philadelphia of Pittsburgh is just it's so incredibly uh, clear in in understanding as to who's going to play quarterback because it says Ben Roethlisberger will play if he clears COVID protocols and is physically fit enough to play. Thanks for <laughs> yeah, that bro. bit of information. Okay. Yeah, thanks for that Jeez, bit of information. Gosh. Great. Yeah, I mean, like, cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We got a lot from that. Uh, one of the other things, uh, Joey Bosa on the. Charger side of things did get moved to the COVID list. He is apparently unvaccinated, so his he he's definitely going to be out this week. So no um no Joey Bosa on the Chargers side of things. Um, what do you think of this one? Let's just okay. Let's handicap this as if Ben Roethlisberger is not going to play because again he's as we record this we don't have any indication that he is going to play so does it matter though like is he worth that much at this point i don't think he is so if you look at if you look at mason rudolph's metrics versus ben this season there's there's not Mm -hmm. a huge gap it's 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 like the gap from like the 25th best quarterback to like the 35th Mm -hmm. you know i think it's probably it's, it's a point at best to me. Um, so to move a couple of points as this has, um, it's possibly an overreaction. Um, I mean, TJ Watt is huge, whether he goes or plays because the Chargers are playing a backup right tackle and a backup right guard. And they can be had over there. Like the Vikings were blitzing, sending some weird blitzes over there and that was screwing them up. And if, if the Steelers have got TJ Watt over there, then I think they're a great underdog bet here. Um, and, and because they, they'll probably just commit to the run game on the other side of the ball as well. Um, the Chargers literally cannot stop anyone running the ball. So, yeah, TJ, TJ Watt's huge. Obviously, Joe Bosa's huge. I, I think this is definitely one to wait on until we actually know who's playing mm-hmm. here. But I would definitely be looking for a way to bet the Steelers because uh, I, I just don't think the downgrade from, from, Rudolph to, from, from Ben to Rudolph is that big at all. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am also looking to try to get in on the Steelers. I would hope. I, I, you know, with a Sunday night situation, this is the chase game. This is the game where people tend to love to bet the favorites. This is one of those deals where they come in and they think that you know they hear it's a backup quarterback for the Steelers and all of that. So. Yeah, I am hoping this thing gets to a seven. If this thing does get to a seven, then I'm going to come in on the Steelers as well. Um, you know, historically historically 
the favorite, the bigger brand name, the certainly not the team that's playing a, a backup quarterback draws money. So maybe we get to see this thing make it all the way to touchdown. If so, be a play on the Steelers for me. Monday Night Football, the Giants at the Bucks, uh, 10 and a half or 11 in favor of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They lay an egg last week against the Washington football team after coming out of a bye. They lay that egg against the Washington football team. The New York football Giants are coming off of a bye this week where they get Saquon Barkley back at practice. And did they figure some things out over the bye week, you know, they certainly it would be good from a wide receiver standpoint for Daniel Jones and the New York football giants, because they have been really, really nicked up on that side of the ball. Brad, I, I, we don't want to play the overreaction game at all from what we saw last week with this buck squad. That said, this is not the first week that we have had concerns with this defense. This is now several multiple weeks with multiple games in which this defense has not been able to get anything done, which was the way this defense has not been able to get the key stops and not been able to get teams off the field when they need to. And if you believe at all that the receiving core getting healthier for the Giants, Saquon Barkley getting back in there and add a little bit of a more, you know, a, a little bit more of an element from a playmaker standpoint for this Giants team, and you're getting over 10 points, is that too much? Possibly. Um, again, there's a lot, lot of key injuries here. So I would say the Bucks last week, A, it was the interior pressure on Brady that, you know, that caused him a lot of troubles, which I don't think there's anyone on the Giants that's going to get similar type of pressure. And then B, I t- you know, we also mentioned that the uh, the football team were way way running hot on on third and fourth down. Um, and, uh, you know, possibly part of that was Richard Sherman obviously went down like, you know, it was tweeted about one minute before the game started. So they were they were very thin in the secondary as well. Now it looks like Sherman's out. It looks like they might get they, Colton Davis. They, back. Yeah, they put Sherman on IR yesterday, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think they're still going to be thin in the secondary. Um mm-hmm. now for the Giants, Andrew Thomas is key. He was back at practice, the left tackle. Because I think if they can protect, as you say, I think the Giants have got enough, they've got enough weaponry and uh, the Bucks are weak enough in the secondary that the Bucks should move the ball and the Giants should move the ball back um, and th- then I would look at an over um, but the, yeah again these injury reports are going to be key um, with, the, with the game still three days away yeah Stephen I uh, I did put in a ticket on the Giants at 11 um, I didn't think that I thought it would be one-way traffic on the line I thought if anything it would be moving the uh, you know I don't see any way that it moves in the Bucks direction I think it's all it's only going to move um, in the Giants direction here. So I wanted to get in on that 11 while it was still available. It is, you know, it is 10 uh, and a half at some b- books. So it has ticked down at least a, a half point here uh, in, in this one. Vita Vea got hurt in that game last week as well. Uh, apparently some a deep bone bruise for him. I guess you can play th- from what I'm reading. You can play through those. It's a pain tolerance type situation, but uh, you know, if he is limited or doesn't play this week, that's just another thing in favor of the Giants in this. And I just think that if you're talking double digits for this Giants team against what we've seen has been a pretty, pretty soft Bucks defense so far. I think even if they're getting beat late in this game, the back door will still be wide open for, for the Giants. And so I don't know, just 11 seems like too many for me. And there is still at least 11 available at DraftKings. Can't disagree with you on anything you said. 
my only devil's advocate concern here mm-hmm. is narrative based that Brady's pissed and they lost back to back games. So we should get probably their best week of practice that we've seen in a little bit here. They should be locked in and focused. I'm sure Brady will demand that this week in practice. Um, but that doesn't account for the injuries that they have with Gronk and Antonio Brown. Uh, we'll have to monitor them with it being a Monday night game, whether that could be their status could be taken all the way up to you know Saturday afternoon on what their official designation will be. I don't expect either of them to play this week. And it's a lot of points, right? But I will say it was these two teams played last year in a primetime spot and the spread was 12 and a half. So you're only getting 10 and a half, 11 right now. It's mostly a dead number, but um, just something to keep in mind here. And uh, I don't have a strong inclination on either side, but I certainly understand why, why you like to take the points here with, with how Tampa has been playing and being shorthanded. Yeah. It's uh, the other thing is like you mentioned, you, you mentioned Antonio Brown. We, we talked about this, this Bucks team and the, you know, the big story last year was how they, they had this big season turnaround after the buy. Well, after the buy was also pretty much right when Antonio Brown started getting involved with this offense. Right. And it gave Brady that real third option in this offense and things really started to click and move and whatever. And so what we've seen from this offense as well is when Antonio Brown's not out there, it's just a different squad, right? I mean, they they're not nearly as dynamic, they're not nearly as explosive. The what we found here is I think that Mike Evans is really on the downside of like he doesn't get open near as much anymore. And when Antonio Brown is out there, at least they have to account for Antonio Brown. And then you see Mike Evans, a bigger part of this offense. This past week against a very bad, very bad secondary for Washington still couldn't get Mike Evans going, you know? And so there's, there are some concerns I think on both sides of the ball for this Bucks team and I think the double digits is just too much in this one. But again, pay attention to all those injury situations and see maybe, maybe something even gets confirmed for you throughout the course of the week. Guys, Everything we do, absolutely free over on the lines and play picks. So be sure and head over there, take in all of those breakdowns. There's a button at the top of the page that is a little Discord logo. So click on that thing. we got a Discord channel now. So come in, chat with the guys about college basketball, NFL, whatever it might be. Uh, we, we're in there a lot just discussing whatever you want to talk about. So be sure and do that. And if you're watching us here, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure. Hit the subscribe button because, uh, again, we're going to get we're going to do a a pretty cool giveaway before the end of the year. Thank you guys for being a uh, supporters for us. And all you have to do is be a subscriber of the channel to be automatically entered into all that. So do appreciate that as well. If you want to follow Steven on the Twitter machine at Steven Andrus one, you want to follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL. You want to follow me at Matt Brown M two. Good luck on all your bets here in week 11. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 
522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. 